0: in three, in two, in one. Hi, everybody. Thank you for sitting down with me today. I appreciate it. I'm Tim Anderson, the appraiser's advocate, and we call this one the beauties of the income approach. So what's wrong with the income approach? Really? Appraisers almost never develop it. It's not even an afterthought in probably 95% of the residential real estate appraisals appraisers do every day. And on the 1004 form, it has only three spaces, the projected market rent, the income multiplier, and the product of their multiplication. So what's the beauty of the income approach? In reality, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just not that good at predicting a value. But, as with the cost approach, its beauty is not so much in its ability to conclude market value. Rather, its beauty is in its analytical capacities, as well as its abilities to support market-based adjustments. How is this so, you ask? Consider the bedroom. One way to determine how much value a bedroom adds to a house is to measure differences in rent more or fewer bedrooms can command. If the typical house in a neighborhood has three bedrooms, what is the contributory value for two-bedroom houses in the same neighborhood? You say, but I can get that from just measuring the difference in sales prices between two-bedroom and three-bedroom houses. That's true. But what does a sale price difference between those two tell you about the highest and best use of the subject site as if vacant? Believe it or not, those are connected. Consider the pool. One way to measure its contributory value is to compare the monthly rent of a house with a pool versus the monthly rent of a house without a pool. In summary, if there is no appreciable difference between these two rents, then the pool contributes nothing to value, the depreciated cost of the installation of that pool notwithstanding. As far as that market is concerned... That pool is 100% depreciated since, as it's lack of rental income evidences, the market is not willing to pay for it. And what does this say about the pool and the overall property's highest and best use? Okay, now let's tie this into something that resembles day-to-day real estate appraisal. As we start down this path, remember that a site has value. The improvements contribute to the market value of the underlying site. That said, now let's consider highest and best use. One of the signs the current improvements to a site are that site's highest and best use as improved is that the improvements contribute to the value of the land. The easiest way to determine this is to compare and contrast the value via the sales comparison approach with that of the vacant site. If the improvements had one net dollar of value to the vacant site, they are the highest and best use of the site as improved, at least on an interim basis. In all candor, the value of any given residential house is likely higher via the analytics of the sales comparison approach than they are via the analytics of the income approach. This is simply because, in general, people are willing to pay more for their own home than they're willing to pay for an investment property. Now, let's tie the market value conclusion via the sales comparison approach and that same conclusion via the income approach into highest and best use. Assume via the sales comparison approach, the value came in at $250,000, while via the income approach, it came in at $225,000. Assume also the value of the site as a vacant and available to be put to its highest and best use is $65,000. Clearly, both of these approaches indicate the improvements are the highest and best use of the entire property in its present use. This is clear because the improvements contribute more than one net dollar to the value of the underlying site. But does that value difference of $25,000 mean anything? Assuming all the math's correct, the adjustments are all going in the right direction, etc., it may mean nothing at all. On the other hand, that $25,000 difference could mean the highest and best use of the improvements is in their continued use as a single-family residence. Now, you hear this and you say, Tim, you have an amazing grasp of the obvious. Of course it is, and of course you're correct, but there may be something you've overlooked. Please read Standard Rule 1-3A in USPAP. When you read it, you'll see it's USPAP's Market Analysis and Highest and Best Use Standard. In relevant part, it reads, quote, When necessary for credible assignment results in developing a market value opinion, an appraiser must identify and analyze the effect on use and value of the physical adaptability of the real estate, In other words, USPAP expects the appraiser, before drawing a value conclusion, to examine five separate components of value and utility. One of those components of value is the ability to put the property to another use. Why is this? To determine if another use would result in a greater value. Do you see where this is all going? By definition, a property's highest and best use is that use which results in the highest value. How is it possible to determine which use of a property results in the highest value? One way to carry out this USPAP mandated task is to compare and contrast the resulting values from the different approaches. In this admittedly hypothetical scenario, the lower value from the income approach is clear market support there is no reason to adapt the property to use as a rental property. In this instance, the market clearly demonstrates its highest and best use results from its continued use as a single-family residence. Now, please consider SR2-3 USPAP certification standard. To quote it, I certify that, to the best of my knowledge and belief, the statements of fact in this appraisal report are true and correct and my analyses, opinions, and conclusions were developed, and this report has been prepared in conformity with USPAP." We're going to look at these statements narrowly to avoid making this podcast too long. Now, in all fairness, I must concede the appraiser's highest and best use conclusion is an opinion. It's not a statement of fact. Thus, as such, the appraiser does not certify to its truth or its correctness. However, The second statement makes it clear even the appraiser's opinions are the result of conformance with USPAP, specifically with Standard 1. Again, Standard Rule 1-3a makes it clear that, to form a credible value opinion, the appraiser will have, quote, identified and analyzed the effect on use and value of the physical adaptability of the real estate, unquote. Therefore, how can an appraiser certify to having followed USPAP in the formation of that credible value opinion, which includes the highest and best use opinion, when the appraiser has not analyzed the, quote, physical adaptability of the real estate, unquote. So, wherein do the beauties of the income approach lie? Not solely in its ability to indicate a credible opinion of market value, which frankly is open to question. Rather, one of its beauties is to allow the appraiser, via the income the property can generate, to study if it is adaptable to another use. And if the property is adaptable to another use, that beauty extends to its ability to demonstrate if that adaptation results in a value higher than the property's current use. Thus, to declare in a report that, quote, the income approach was not used since the market does not recognize it, unquote may in fact be true, but it is also true the market likely does not understand the capacities of its analytics. Since the appraiser is, quote, the expert, unquote, the appraiser must understand those capacities and how they are part of the cement and steel buttressing of a credible value opinion. When you remove the cement and steel from a building's foundation, how long will that building stand its ground? If you have any questions on any part of appraising, Use PAP, what to do, protocols, whatever. Please get in touch with me. I'm Tim Anderson, the appraisers advocate. I'll be glad to help you. In fact, it'll be an honor to help you. My email address is tim at theappraisersadvocate.com. Get in touch with me. I look forward to it. Oh, and by the way, are your professional fees high enough? And we're clear.